it's amazing when you say what God says about you, you feel like a rush inside your spirit. It's like nothing else. Like you can talk about whatever, the news, saints, whatever you want to talk about, and it's interesting. But you start saying what God says, you feel something like, oh, <laughs> you can feel it because that's the spirit inside of you rising up to God's word. And I was talking last week, we're talking today about the blood of the new identity, which was, we said that the blood of Jesus was shed for us, but it was shed in seven particular times. One was, uh, of course, in the garden when he sweat blood. That's the blood of faithfulness. We talked about that. And then we talked about the blood from the back of Jesus, which is the back of healing. It speaks to us. By your stripes we are, right? Then we talked about the blood from the crown of Jesus, which is the blood of conquest, right? And that this is the, the blood of winning and, and faith that's in us. We think like winners. That's the, the blood of conquest. And we talked about the blood from the feet of Jesus. When he nailed those nails to his feet, the blood that poured out was the blood of purpose. How beautiful are the feet of them that bring good news. And last week we started talking about the blood from the face of Jesus. And we read from Isaiah that they beat him so severely that you could not recognize him as a man. So Jesus became unrecognizable because the blood, actually it says, I gave my face, my cheeks to those who plucked the beard out, my beard out. He intentionally gave his identity, which is your face. He gave his identity to them and said, bloody it up if you want to. And they did. He was unrecognizable so that you could recognize who you are. It is not in the nature of Adam to know who you are. Adam doesn't know who he is. And when you're in the world, you don't have a concept. You're like Adam. You, you just have this idea of, you know, what do I want? What do I feel? What do I think? But you don't know who you are. Because when you know him, you have the three most important things, which are you know who he is, you know who you are, and you know what you're supposed to be doing. Which without that, that's what you call lost. We don't know who he is, and you don't know who you are. You don't know what you're supposed to be doing. You are truly lost. When you give your life to Christ, suddenly your real identity comes. People talk about self-identify. You can't self-identify. You have to let God identify who you are. And that's why people end up in trouble with sexuality and all kinds of things. They stop using God's word as the framer of who they are. And they start despising what God says and they start leaning on what they think and they feel. And they end up in trouble with all kinds of strange uh, perversions. It comes down to an issue of identity. It's a big, it's one of the issues of our generation because they turn their back on God and they don't know who they are. I mentioned last week that suicide among teenagers is up 70%. The more they tell young people there is no God, the more young people have no hope. And they say, what's the point? Because they don't know who they are. Right? So the blood of Jesus that came from his face, it has to do with the restructuring of true identity and peace with yourself. Now, Adam and Eve, we found out last week, when they first fell, what does the Bible say was the first sign of the fall? Well, they knew that they were naked. They were embarrassed. They were ashamed. The, the first sign of the fall is, is self-consciousness. You would think they started beating each other up or cussing each other out. But that didn't happen. The first sign of the fall was being totally conscious of self. And so conscious to a painful awareness that other people are looking at me and I need to cover up. And this becomes what's real about the human experience. Either you're happy out there living for who you are, living for God, living, for your, living your real life, or you're pretending and trying to be what other people want you to be. 
You're trying to dress right and look right and talk right and act right, hoping to be accepted. Those are the people who don't know who they are. See, God has the key of your identity. It is in knowing him. And so that's where true identity really, really begins. So the blood from the face of Jesus has the power to change your nature. Instead of having a nature that drifts into depression, sadness, uncertainty, insecurity, you have a nature that is always bold and strong. Always aware of who he is. Always aware of who you are. And always aware of what you're supposed to be doing for him. Forget about what people say. You know, it is the definition of real freedom. We said, who the sun sets free is free indeed, right? To be, the definition of real freedom is to live your life not worrying about what anybody else thinks. Come on, wave your hand if you know what I'm talking about. Like some of you are like, I don't want anybody to think, ah. <laughs> like, I don't want to think I'm insecure. Some people are so insecure they don't want anybody to think they're insecure. <laughs> but this time just do it with boldness. Like, I don't care what anybody thinks. If you want to be so free you don't care what anybody thinks, just wave your hand. Ah, there we go. That's how God made you. You're aware of God, aware of who you are, and aware of your purpose, that you're to serve people and love people and do your thing for Jesus. All of that has to do with a strength in knowing who you are. And so God gets rid of that old insecure, who am I, spirit, that old nature, and puts a spirit in you, an attitude in you, a heart in you that says, I know who I am, I know what I'm called to be. My environment can't determine that. You know, in psychology they say, there are um, several things that determines a person's identity. The first thing they say is genetic determinism. That means, you know, whatever gen genes you have determines who you are. And that's because they found certain families have depression and certain families have talents. And they, they thought, well, genetically determines at least three quarters of who you are you got from your gene pool. And you're kind of like your mom and them. And whatever they did, you probably got some of that coming to you. Right? That's genetic determinism. Then they call it environmental determinism, which is like uh, you were raised in a, a, a certain environment. You take someone out of the worst situation and then put them in a great situation, and they say your environment can actually change uh, who you are to a percentage. And they, they usually stop there, and they say those two things kind of hold each other at attention. You know, that part of it is genetically who you are. Part of it is your environment. I think there's another one that you could call circumstantial um, determinism. I'm not trying to sound intelligent. I'm just, you know, <laughs> just give, giving it a go. But there's, I would call it circumstantial determinism, meaning that some people are going along good. They're in a good environment, and suddenly something happens. They, their parents get divorced, or they get abused sexually, or they see a murder, or they experience something that changes the course of their life, and it marks them forever. I'd call that circumstantial determinism. Something happened, and you never got over it, and it marked your identity. And if you ask people who have trouble with their sexuality and, and identity sexually, who they are, have a sit down and talk to them about their dad and how, and how their dad treated them. And find out that, that it wasn't as simple as they say, that, oh, you're just like this. It wasn't that. They had something intervene in their life. There was a moment they were sexually abused by someone, by an uncle or someone. Someone did something, and those circumstances began to pervert their understanding of their identity. And, of course, as they got older, they just gave more and more into it. And I don't want to oversimplify, but there is a fourth one. And I call it divine determinism. Look at somebody say, we have divine determinism. 
And that is that the Spirit of God inside of you is more powerful than your genetics, more powerful than your environment, more powerful than anything that happened to you. There's something inside of you that's greater than anything that is around you. Come on, shout with me. Say, greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. Maybe you didn't have a mom. Maybe you didn't have a dad. Maybe you had a horrible upbringing. Who cares? At this point, you can't change that. But God can change everything. I love that, that the preacher's name was James Robinson. He was, he was, uh, his mom wanted to abort him. He was the product of a failed abortion. He was unwanted from the time he was born. Then he was uh, passed around and, and, uh, and became a, a problem child. Then suddenly he met Jesus and he preached the gospel to the whole world. And he has the most beautiful, loving countenance. And he has proved that divine determinism is the most powerful determinism. That God is the one who has the final say about your life. The moment that you invited Jesus into your life, God gets the final say. And he is a force to be reckoned with. You can try to get away from him, but he got his mind on you. And no matter how you try to run away or get away, God's going to make sure this thing ends the way he says it's going to end. It's going to end the way his plan is. It's going to end in his destiny. You know, the world, they believe in destiny. You know, like, well, I believe everything happens for a reason. And they got this sense that everything happens for a reason. And, and, and it's, part of that is paganism, like uh, Hinduism, like what they, what, what they call, uh, not yin-yang, they call... Uh, Karma, you do something that comes back to you. Of course, that's, that's false religion, but that's the world trying to process uh, things happening. Because we all know that we, we don't have too much control about what happens to us. We don't even have control over our own feelings. And that in some ways, something is turning us and moving us through life. We sense it, and we come up with things like everything happens for a reason. We come up with that because we feel that, you know, that must be God. And it, many times it is God. But that is, in its truest sense, that's what spiritual determinism is. When you invite Jesus into your life, the Bible says the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. You might end up taking a few bad turns, but at the end of the day, God's going to get you back on course. You're going to finish your race. You're going to do the thing you started out to do. Even your mistakes are going to work out for you. God's going to take your worst day and turn it around for your best day. And that's the confidence that every believer has. We don't have a mistake-free confidence, but we have this confidence that we know that no matter what happens, God's got control of my life. God's the one that can turn me like he turns the rivers. God's the one that can point me in the right direction, and God's the one who started this. What does the Bible say? He's the author and the? I said he's the author and the? All right, so don't worry about the in-between. Think about the finish. You might be in a bad place right now, but God's about to finish what he started in you. You might have taken a detour, but God's about to bring you to where you're going. He's got the power to do it. His determinism is more powerful. You think you can fight God? You can't. Like we're having Mother's Day next week. You think you can fight a mother's prayer? You can't. Mama starts praying for those kids. They're getting saved. They can just try crack, try everything you want to try. They just can't get away. Like, mama's praying. Like, you can't get away. You try 30 years. You can never get away when mama's praying. Come on, wave at me. Shout at me a little bit. You believe that? Isn't it true? Because it, she, mama's turning on spiritual determinism and said, you know what? You're going to end up the way God wants you to end up. Isn't it true? It's nothing more powerful, they say, than a mother's prayer. I was, uh, I, uh, was invited a 50th anniversary of, of my little singing group. When I was 10 years old, I was in a group called the Barber Brothers Quartet Gospel. How many saw it on Facebook? 
man, I was singing the glory down. But every now and then they'll ask me to come sing with them in our little group. And I'm always embarrassed because they don't practice. And I got this thing about, like, not being embarrassed, you know. I want to at least, let's, let's, could we at least practice once or twice? So we practiced two weeks ago for an event last night, night before last. And the, the practice itself was a mess. We never sang one song right in the whole practice. And I thought to myself, I'm going to the, I'm going to the, uh, the guillotine. This is going to be a bad night for me. But you know what? It's my cousins. I love them. No notes are going to be right. I'm going to try to sing my harmony part. They're going to be singing all on top of me. It's going to be a nightmare. And uh, because, you know, I, I'm not a perfectionist, but I, I try to do as good as I can. And uh, so, but they're just super laid back. You know, I love them. They taught, I learned how to play music from them and their mom. And so it, I went to the event at Country Village, whatever it was. I, it was. And I was thinking, well, there probably won't be anybody there. There was like a million people there. <laughs> and they're all like old folks home. <laughs> and, I, of course, then I realized I look just like them. <laughs> so, and I realized that when I saw all the people there, I was like, oh my gosh, this is the thing. I, mean, I got the list of songs. I'm trying to meet with the, my cousin and say, look, we got to come up with something. What's the song list? We, and so they were like, ah, no, no, don't worry about it. I was like, don't worry about it. There's a million people. And we don't even, we're the stars of the show, 50th anniversary. We were bad then, we're worse now. This, that's what I'm thinking. And they're like, you know, I'm getting like nervous about it because my self-consciousness is going up like alarmingly. It's just like I'm becoming so self-conscious. Like I don't even know if I can play a song at all. And so then I get around there and they're like, oh, man, it's going to be all right. Don't worry about it. And I was like, oh, you guys. You, you, you. So then I just, I finally just had to come to peace. I just said, okay. I, I was talking to my cousins, Kelly. I said, Kelly. You know what I'm going to do right now? He said, what? I said, I'm just going to go ahead and give up all my pride right this second. And I thought he was going to encourage me. And he said, you know what? That's a pretty good idea. You need to go ahead and give up. The lower you can go, the better you're going to be tonight. Just go ahead and just accept it's going to be a disaster and be all right with it. It was good counsel because I was like, you know what? I hear the Holy Spirit. So I thought, you know what, they're, I'm going to just do what they're doing. So we went up there and played. It was fun. We had played up there for an hour solid. I didn't know the songs they were singing. I was playing, and I don't even know the songs they're singing. They always do that to me. Like, that piano player must not have practiced. I didn't know the song. I never heard it ever. But I'm the only musician. Anyway, so I'm, I'm humiliated several different times. I'm humiliated. It's, we finish our set, and everybody's cheering. I'm like... I walked off the stage like super shamed, like I was like, oh, man. And then people are like high-fiving me like, and I'm like, don't high-five me. That was terrible. You know it was terrible. Don't be playing with me. Y'all Y'all feel sorry for me. That's why. Don't feel sorry for me. Look, it was bad. We should have practiced more. I went to the back where the, my cousins were. They were having a party. I was like, dude, these guys have it. I've been preaching all these years. These guys already have what I'm, they don't give a rip. They walked, they, they made a, it wasn't that great. It was not really good. In my opinion, it wasn't that really good. But they walked off the stage like Elvis. <laughs> I walked the stage like I just got whooped. They were like, no, nah, we had that. You saw what we just did? Didn't even practice. 
And I thought to myself, you know, I, 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 I learned something that night. That it's important that people feel about you the way you feel about yourself. And the most important thing in life is not being perfect or being mistake free. The most important thing is knowing who you are. And if you went out there and gave it what you had, you used the time you had, you went out there, then pull your head back and your shoulders back and say, you know what? I am who he says I am. He's for me, not against me. I don't care. I'm telling you what, I'm learning freedom from those guys. Freedom is to live unconcerned about what others think. Conscious of the presence of God. Conscious of who you are in him and conscious of what you're called to do with your life. The anchor of your new reality is your thinking. This is what Proverbs says. Proverbs says in Proverbs 23, 7 says, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. You are what you think you are. And if you read Proverbs 23, it's, it's cryptic in a way because it says, hey, this guy is telling you to go ahead and eat all you want and have all the food you want and do whatever you want. He said, be careful because uh, he's really what's in his heart. He really don't want you to eat anything. I guess food was a big deal back then. And he said, his, he's really not into you um, eating his food, but he's acting like he is. And why is that scripture, it's, it's, it's easy to say he, a man is who he thinks he is, or he is as he thinks. The idea is this, most of the time people are hiding out who they really are. Most of the time they're wanting you to think something different than who they, most of the time you're pretending to be somebody you're not. You get what I'm saying? Most of the time you're fronting too. So it's important you really are who you think, the way you think. If you think, hey, man, eat, drink, and be merry, well, that's who you really are. But don't be a person who on the outside is faking, and on the inside, you're cringing in fear and worry and upset about everything. Are you get what I'm saying? Romans 12, well, let me just say it again. The anchor of this new reality is your thinking. The anchor in your thinking is words, God's words. That's why it was so powerful to sing that song, because the words are thoughts given power. And when they get in your mind, they begin to define who you are. So God's word becomes the issue in knowing who you are. And I believe that the blood of Jesus changes our nature. But it's important that we understand that what God did inside of us, we have to start thinking like that. We have to reprogram ourselves so we're not full of shame and defeat based on our circumstances. Romans 12, 2 says this, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Say it with me. Transformed. Say it again. Say it again. Transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove what is the good, acceptable, perfect will of God. In other words, that you might have divine determinism, you've got to be transformed by what? By the renewing of your mind. Now, that word transformed in the Greek is a word that we get metamorphosis from. Uh, it's like the Hulk goes through a startling metamorphosis, right? His closed hair and all that. He said, you got to go through the transformation. you got to go through the metamorphosis. You've got to become something totally different because you got to start thinking different. 
The only way to start thinking different is don't be conformed to this world. See, when you're plugged into Facebook and video and TV, those words are telling you who you are. Those images and those words are speaking to you. You don't, you don't measure up. You're not what you should be. You're insignificant. They're always minimizing. The world is always minimizing who you are. But the second you get into God's word, your mind starts to say, no, man, you're bigger than all of this stuff. You can conquer any of these things. And so the insecurity that people live in, generally speaking, is their lack of connection to the truth of God's word. God's word is not just a book that you're avoiding. God's word is a mirror that tells you who you are. And the minute you look into it, you're going to know who you are. All the children of God, I should say, the minute they look into the word of God, they know who they are. You become transformed. You go through the crazy, amazing change in your identity through connecting with God's word. Now, change, just let me give it to you really quick. This is super simple. But let me give you these three stages of change we go through. Number one, salvation. Salvation. Salvation, we invite Jesus into our life. He becomes the Lord of our life, and it's a powerful change, and something comes alive in us. Something now is sensitive to God's voice. Something now is alive to God's purpose. You couldn't even see it before. Now you can see it. That doesn't mean the change is complete, but it's a powerful change. Right? Doesn't it say, what does it say in the Bible? 1 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a, see it with me, new creation. What does it say? Old thing have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So when you give your life to Christ, a miracle that is perfect instantaneously happens inside you. This is a wonderful thing. That's the beginning of change because you became alive. You turned on the light. Have you ever gone to your house and, and it's dark and you think your house is pretty clean and you turn the light on and you say, OMG. And you're like, this place is a mess. Well, that's really what happened. When you get saved, you turn on the light and you realize what a mess you've been. You were living in that darkness. You didn't even know what a mess it was. But when you give your life to Christ, you turn on the light and say, OMG, I got all kinds of mess here. And you start cleaning up. So the next part of the change is growth in God's word. You begin to grow. This instantaneous thing becomes a process. You begin to grow in God's word. There's a complete renovation that begins to happen in your identity. It's a miracle that starts in the heart, and it is a constant holy process. Now, things happen in that mistakes are made, things happen. But a lot of your life is this process. And then number three... Breakthrough to startling change. Now, for a long time I was a Christian, I didn't believe it, but it is true. There are moments that you conquer something, you're like, I'm different. I'm no lie. I don't care about cigarettes anymore. Man, I don't care about I, what are you, I don't even, I haven't even thought about what I use. I don't even think about drinking anymore. I don't even think, curse words don't even come to my mind. At some point you have a breakthrough and you, you say, wait, I am different. You start seeing these breakthroughs where things actually start happening in your life. You're actually winning people to Christ. You're actually what used to be depressing. You're actually, you, don't even, you can't remember the last time you were depressed. You used to be depressed every day. See, it is the part of this, there was a miracle that changed inside of you. Now it, through the process, it becomes these breakthroughs. 
I wanted to give you those three things. They're simple, but I wanted you to see that it all began with the blood of Jesus, the blood from his face that changed your identity. Now, read this with me. James 1, verse 23. I love this. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. And it says he, he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he is. So the Bible says, now listen, here's a great picture. The word of God is a mirror and it will tell you who you are. The problem is if you don't do what you heard, you'll just quickly just forget. This is most Christians. They, they get it for a second on Sunday. They're like, boom, got it. I'm on fire for God. Let's go do this thing. And then, you know, they turn on Elvis. <laughs> not, that, not that he's evil or anything. But then they, they, end up, they end up getting it. And pretty, like 30 minutes later, they're like, what was that at church? That was something that happened. They forget. They get to work the next day. They're just like they were on Friday. And they already had a Sunday experience. You don't need a Sunday experience. You need this gigantic process. So when you read something or when you go to church and you hear something, find what you need to do. Hear it and do it. Now, now how many of you uh, had a time where you thought you looked pretty good that day? You know, you're like, especially, you know, after church, you came to church thinking, man, I look pretty good today, man. I think I've lost weight. I'm wearing my butterfly outfit today. I'm wearing my Elton John for Jesus outfit today. I'm thinking I'm looking pretty good. So then, but when you get home, you realize like, oh, man. <laughs> you know, you look at that mirror, you think, I didn't look near as good as I thought I looked. Everybody, anybody ever had that happen to you? You're like, why did my wife say something? Because look at me. What was I thinking when I got dressed today? Sometimes you wish you could have a mirror with you. Every time, I used to get in my car all the time, and the mirror was always, the rearview mirror was always turned. I think that's a woman thing. I'm not sure. You, I could think of you, yes. Some women get in the car, they don't use the rearview mirror as a rearview mirror. It's a constant image reminder. They don't see anybody behind them. The mirror is always turned to them like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, still looking good. Oh, yeah. See, then selfies came, people don't do that as much anymore. Now they can just take selfies. I do look good. I do look good. Wow. And look, what's with the smoochy face that people do? You never do that in real life, but you do the smoochy face all the time. Like this is the only face you got? I think you want your lips to be bigger, but they're never going to be any bigger. It's just the way it is. You're not black. You, have, you, you stick them out all day. They're still going to be regular white people's lips. That's, that's what, God bless you with those. That's what you got. But people are kind of obsessed, you know, with mirrors and seeing themselves because at that one moment, you're like, okay, let's get real. Let's get honest. All right. Okay. I, I know who I am. Feeling good. Okay. Uh, and then you go and you, the Bible says if you don't, if you're not a doer of the word, then you kind of saw it, but then you forgot it. So it's important that not only you're connected to God's word, but that God's word begins to affect the things in life that you're doing. It is so true. It's why a morning devotion is so important because when you wake up, you don't know who you are. Wave at me, you know what I'm talking about. You're like, I don't know if I'm saved, if I'm a, if I'm a drug addict, who am I? You're not sure in the morning because I don't know what happened. At nighttime, you just lost yourself. And you need, you get in God's word and instantly it'll tell you, this is who you are. 
And about the, about the time you get to that second paragraph, you're like, go, whew, almost forgot. Oh, now I remember. Wait, everything's going to be all right. I'm going to be okay. I'm okay. But then, then God's word is like a mirror. It's like, you got a pimple right there. No, right by your head. Right, right there on that side of your head. You know, it'll, it'll start identifying things that need to change. Right? The, the word of God will start. You know, it's not just going to tell you, oh, you're awesome, you're beautiful. It'll say, mm, need a little work. Right? Because the word of God is this mirror, and you're comforted by knowing, okay, God loves me. God's for me. God's not against me. Man, that is a great thing. That's so awesome. But guess what? He's also going to say, you know what? You need to change that. You need to stop doing that right there. See, but if you don't do that part, right, it's like looking in a mirror and realizing you have a big zit right here and you did nothing about it. Like, so what? Thank God. God loves me. Hey, the mirror is for getting zits off. Some of you guys are grossing out. You know what I'm talking about. The word of God is going to tell you some things that you have to do. It's going to say, start doing this, stop doing that. It's going to say, hey, man, you know what? Stop thinking this way. Stop speaking this way. Stop acting that way. You can't expect a beautiful result of who you are by just looking at God's word. You have to actually do it. You have to have a conviction. You need a conviction that if God says it, I need it. If God says for me to do it, I need to start doing it. And if you can't do it, try doing it. Well, God says I need to pray. Start praying. I don't know how to pray. Learn. I'd just rather read it. What? See, this is new Christianity. We just read stuff and never do it. We just hear stuff and we don't do it. Well, that's why even the church doesn't know who they are. I heard someone say, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. And since the church quit standing for something, they fall for anything because they don't know who they are. They hear the word of God every Sunday, but they never do it. They can't think of anything they need to do. They just listen to it and say, well, isn't that nice? God's word is intended not to transform, just transform who you are, but transform how you live your life. This is how that mirror is constantly there in your life. And for some of you are thinking, man, man, that just sounds so hard. Listen, in the next couple of minutes, I just want you to know, changing your identity is not really hard. It just takes a little bit of faith. You have to believe that you're going to be different than you are. Look at somebody say, you're about to be different than you are. Listen, tell somebody else, you're about to be different than you are. See, this is the great mystery. Here's the great mystery. You are becoming who you are. And we can invert it and say, you are who you are becoming. Try it on somebody. Look at them and say, you are who you are becoming. So God tells you who you are, and then you look in the mirror and say, I don't look anything like that. That's how God does the miracle. You have to believe what he said about you, and then you have to face the fact that you're nothing like that. That is a crisis. That's a crisis when you say, God's saying, no, you're awesome, you're the light of the world, citizen of the hill, you're a child of God, you're an overcomer. And like, you look at your life, you say, dude, I ain't overcoming jack. <laughs> I can't overcome peanut butter. Much less the devil, ice cream's got me down. <laughs> I mean, you, you have those real moments like, I'm reading it, but look, it, I'm looking at, let, let's just be real. I'll go to church, but this is just not working. Uh, remember, I told you a few weeks ago, my, my grandson, Jackson, he was scared sometime in his room like kids are. And, and Becca told him, she said, look, 
when you feel scared, just say, in Jesus' name, Lord, fear, leave. And so he was like, you know, of course, he's great. Like any kid, he's like, he's trying it. So puts her in the room, the light goes out. And uh, a few minutes later, you hear a scream coming from Jackson's room. It's not working! I think, I think a lot of Christians have that deal. Like, Pastor Brace said to do these things, but it's not working! Because we think we're going to try it. And it's going to happen. That's not the way. It's a process. you got to commit to the process. you got to keep pressing in. you got to keep saying, I am who God says I am. I am what he says I am. I can do what he says I can do. It is a wonderful process of transformation. It's based on your connection with the word of God. Based on the courage that's inside of you. It's based on this idea that I can be different. I think most Christians said, I ain't going to be different. Who cares? You know, Jesus paid it all. I'm not going to be different. See, you, you, you lost before you even started the game. You gave up. You said, well, this is who I am. I'm just going to be me. Listen, you're a lot better than what you are. You are who he says you are. Come on, say it out loud again. Say, I am who he says I am. Man, I wish I could get this in your head. Because you are... Becoming who you are. You got to be okay that this process might take a little while. But you are not doing the process. You're just getting in God's word. And you're saying, you know what? I'm believing change is coming. I'm not going to get frustrated. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to throw my hands and quit and say, it's not working. I'm going to commit to the process. However long, I am controlled by divine determinism. And what God started in me, he's about to finish. Come on, say it with me. Say, and what God started in me, he's going to finish. Touch somebody and say, what he started in you, he's going to finish. Thank God you're not the one who has to change yourself. Come on, shout somebody. Isn't it good you don't have to change yourself? You're in a process where God is about to do a miracle in your life. And I'm going to close with this idea. I saw a miracle, and all of you see it in Louisiana all the time. I was stunned this morning as I was praying. Here's, here's the miracle. A caterpillar becomes a flying work of art. Can we see a caterpillar? Just the caterpillar. That's the whole thing. You gave the whole thing away. Is there just a caterpillar? Is there just a caterpillar? Now, you know, God did this crazy miracle Okay, can we just do the first one? The one that's, that first one in the corner over there. I'm talking about the creepy, just the creepy one. Okay, let me just paint a picture for you. A caterpillar, God gave you this illustration because he wants you to know if he can change a bug, he can change you. If he has the power to bring a bug and turn them into a work of art, he can turn you into a work of art. You just got to get in that flow where he's at, and you got to trust God to do the work. Come on, wave your hand and say, I trust God to do the work. So here it is. Here it is. He's born, he, he's born, a, he's a, a little egg, then he becomes, he's this larva, this, what we know of this caterpillar. Have you ever seen a caterpillar? There, you know, especially around on the leaves, and there's, sometimes there's hundreds of them, furry little things, and some of them sting, you know what I mean? They're just creepy, and they're walking this way. They, in, in, in his mind, in the mind of a caterpillar, he's saying to himself, I'm going to fly, man. I'm beautiful. 
<laughs> then he looks in the mirror and says, dude, you ain't ever going to, all his friends told him, you ain't ever going to fly. Look at you. You know how heavy you are? You know how big your wings would have to be to actually help? He's that, he's that big. He's got teeny little legs. He's got no possibility of flying. It's an impossibility. And he just lives with the frustration of he knows who he is, but he is not who he is. And it, look, you'd you think that a caterpillar would just give up, but he is controlled by divine determinism. He's about to become something he could never become. Inside of him, he keeps saying, I'm a butterfly, I'm a butterfly. There he is. He's beautiful, but he's dreaming about flying. Look at him. He said, I'm going to fly one day, man. I'm going to fly. And all his other friends, all the worms and all the other little bugs and stuff, like, you ain't going to fly. He's like, oh, yeah, I will. I promise I will. And so he's got this holy frustration because his reality is confronting his faith. In fact, his reality is contradicting his faith. His reality is saying none of it's true. You're never going to fly. You need to just get used to the idea you're never going to fly. Just get used to it. Because God just did this to you. He made you a chubby little stick. Anybody ever feel like that? Like, I, it's true, I'm a chubby stick. He made you a chubby little stick. Stop looking at the pictures of butterflies. That's who you are. Just get, and see, many Christians, they just stay in this stage because they, something comes to them and says, look, stop dreaming. Because no matter how you want to change, you're not going to change. You just are who you are. Why don't you just give up? You're living with this contradiction. And then the change begins. It only takes 10 days. He goes from this. You know what he's doing in this stage? He's eating constantly. He's constantly hearing about who he is, but he's not. He's constantly hearing about what great things he's going to do, but he hasn't done them. He's constantly hearing about all these impossibilities that God had planned for him. He's, he's, he's non-stop eating the entire time. That's what it means to constantly read the word of God, constantly look at that mirror, constantly say, I am who he says I am. I don't care what's real. I'm going to say what God says about my life. I'm going to stay in faith. I don't care what other people say. I am who he says I am. That was a perfect time for music to come in right there. And then... He's, he's been going to church, and he's been feeding constantly. Every day he's reading his Bible, he's listening to worship, and he's still messing up. He's still doing things that are embarrassing. He's still doing everything. He don't care about people. He's a mile from winning souls and making disciples. He doesn't look anything like Jesus. But inside of him, there's this heartbeat of faith that says, you're going to fly. You're going to be a work of art one day. And see, if you lose that, you lose the process. You have to believe that what God started in you, he's going to finish. This is a word from God for your life. You have to believe that what God started in you, what God promised you, he's about to finish in you. And he goes, how do you say it? Crystalis? Crystal? Whatever it is. Let's, let's just say he goes to a stage where he makes a thing. And he, he, he weaves this uh, cocoon, we call it. He weaves this thing. And this is what I call the process of change. There comes a time when you feel like you can't get out. There's no getting out. There's no breaking through. It's like everything starts closing on you. Your circumstances start closing in on you. And you're like, I'm going to have to change or die. It appears that dreaming has now brought you to another low. And that what you're going through now is worse than what you had before. 
All that dreaming got you has put you in a bad place. And pretty soon he's just at a place where he can't move. You know what? This is an amazing thing. You know what happens? He actually begins to digest himself. If you took that, that cocoon and split it open, it's just goo in there. He becomes liquid. He's just liquid, former worm. Everything's just liquid inside. But there's something in the liquid, and it's called imaginal, what is it called? An imaginal disc. In, in that, he forms these things called imaginal discs. And each imaginal disc, one is a wing, and one is an eye, and one is a, and suddenly he begins to imagine himself different. I don't know where they got that word, imaginal disc. But there's just a bunch of goo with imaginal. Have you ever felt like a bunch of goo with nothing left but some imaginal disc? Like all that you wanted, all that you can't even move, and all you have left is your faith. All you have left is what God says about you. All you have left is what God says your kids are going to be, what God says your finances are going to be, what God says your physical health is going to be. It's all you have left is a dream in a capsule. But ten days later, he goes to the third stage and he breaks through. And you know what? No worm could do that for himself. Jesus had to do it. His job was to just keep dreaming about who Jesus made him. And he goes through the change. He comes out, let's look at it, a beautiful work of art, like a stained glass. Who, who came up with this? God. No one teaches him how to fly. He just dries out like a towel on, out on the porch. It takes him five days to dry out. And then he goes like, I got this. And he becomes this beautiful work of art that we look at and say, how did, how did that happen? This is you. This is you. You are going to be what God says you are. But you're just going to have to just calm down. Stop condemning yourself. Stop quitting. Stop feeling like you can't take it. Stop saying stuff like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. Stop criticizing everything about your life and start saying, you know what? I'm in the holy process. I'm just going to be here with my, with my imaginal disc. And I'm going to begin to dream about who God made me. Um, I, look, everything else around me could be changing, but I've decided that I'm going to become what Jesus called me to be. I'm in, look at somebody say, I'm in the process. Come on, tell somebody else, I'm in the process. Now, we're going to receive communion today. We're going to have a great prayer. Come on, let's, let's, let's all stand up together. That's why I wore my butterfly outfit today. You're like, what is that guy wearing? This is my butterfly outfit. I love butterflies because they have to lift their little wings, don't they, to fly. So the ushers are going to come down. You're going to walk out of your aisle to the left. And as we get ready to go today, we're going to receive the blood of new identity. You're about to become who you are. And you're going to come to peace today with the process. You're going to read God's word and you're just going to believe that everything he said about you is coming to pass. All right, come on, just move out of your seat. To the left, starting with the first row, come and get the elements. We're going to hold them, we're going to have them together before we go today. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. It's important for you to know 
Some people say, well, I'm giving up. I'm so humble, I'm giving up. Giving up is pride. Giving up is unbelief. Giving up is saying God can't do it. You are not going to give up. If all you have left is a dream, you are not going to let go of that dream. I'm going to say it again. If all you have left is a dream, listen, your circumstances do not define you. Your past does not define you. What happened to you does not define you. Where you are in life doesn't define you. What defines you is the dream that's inside that caterpillar. What's going on inside of that capsule, inside of that goo. What's going on, those dreams that are still alive. They are the ones that are defining what you're going to be. Today, what am I saying? Let the dream come back alive, man. Look, you're going to be everything God said you could be. You're going to have the ministry. You're going to have the life. You're going to have the marriage. You're going to have the business. You're going to have everything God said that you could have. But it's all coming in a process. It's called, it's called a process of formation. Transformation. A metamorphosis you're going through. Just say it out loud. Say, I'm going through the process. God's doing the process. I'm just going through it. Say it. We would say, I made up my mind. Can't change myself. I can't change my circumstances. But I can believe God is going to bring me through the process to do great things. Come on, let's take the bread. And say, Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for this bread. Your word is true. And I declare, I receive your word. I am who you say I am. I am not my circumstances. I'm not what people think about me. I'm not my position or my lack of position. I'm not my finances, and I'm not a race. I am who you say I am. You say I'm a child of the living God, and I receive it. I'm highly favored. I'm loved. I'm blessed. I'm the light of the world, a city set on a hill that cannot be hid. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And the work you started in me, you're going to finish. I'm a child of God. And when you're finished with me, I'm a work of art. I'm a child of God. And when you finish with me, I'm going to look just like Jesus. I'm going to love like Jesus. I'm going to do miracles like Jesus. I'm going to change the world like Jesus. I'm going to be colorful. I'm going to be like stained glass where people get to see you shining through me. I declare your dream 
For my life is my dream. I agree with you. I'm becoming who you say I am. I am who I am becoming. And I'm becoming who I am. I invite you, Lord. Let the process take place. I receive your word. Now listen, today as we're taking this, I want you to commit every day you're going to get into the word of God and it's going to tell you something that you need to do. Okay? Just say, after you read, you say, what do I need to do? And you're going to do it. And you're going to find it's miraculous. You're going to start feeling different. You're not going to avoid that time anymore. You're going to get in the Word and say, God, show me who I am. Show me what I need to do. And today as we take the bread, we're going to say we're receiving God's Word, our connection with God's Word. We're receiving God's Word into us. God's Word's becoming part of us. Say it with me. Say, God's Word about who I am, about what I am to do. I receive it. It's becoming a part of who I am every day. Let me pray. Father, bless this bread for us as we take it. Let the word tell us who we are. Let us do it so we remember who we are. Let the process begin with your word today. We bless this bread in Jesus' name. And everybody took it. Come on. Let's take it. Right now in this room, the Holy Spirit right now is telling you, stop and listen because he's telling you things about who you are. The enemy told you things about yourself, that you didn't deserve a good man, that you didn't deserve a good life after what you've done. And God is telling you that's all a lie. He has a great dream for you. And you need to cast down every limit that was put on your life by little suggestions of the enemy. The enemy said, well, just look at where you are and look at this and look at that. Right now, just cast all that down. You're not going to look at where you are. You're going to look at where you're going. Where you are right now is just a starting place. It takes 20 days to become a, go from a worm to a butterfly. 20 days. God can change you. The next 20 days can be 20 days of miracles for your life. Don't say it can't be done. It can be done. Because you're about to drink Jesus. You're about to receive a miracle of life inside of you. That that produces the identity of Christ. It's in his blood. Today the blood from the face of Jesus is going to release an anointing of faith in your life. Say it with me. Lift your cup and say, Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for the blood of Jesus. By the blood of Jesus, all my sins are forgiven. By the blood of Jesus, I've been delivered from all the power of the enemy. And as I walk in the light, as he is in the light, the blood of Jesus... Is continually cleansing me from all sin. By the blood of Jesus, I am justified. When he looks at me, it's just as if I never sinned. By the blood of Jesus, I am sanctified and set apart for my divine purpose. By the blood of Jesus, I have eternity, eternal life right now 
And by the blood of Jesus, I have the nature of Christ in me. Come on, close your eyes for a moment. I want you to see the blood from the face of Jesus for a moment. And say it with me. Say the blood from the face of Jesus in my nature is speaking to me from this moment on. I am a child of God. I'm an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. I receive the supernatural power of the blood of Jesus in my life. Let transformation begin now. After this moment, I'm hungering for the word of God. I'm hungering for a transformation. I cast down every argument, every wrong attitude against God's word. But I'm like that caterpillar. I'm going to continually eat. I'm going to eat until I become what he called me to be. I receive from the blood of Jesus a voracious appetite for the truth of God's word about who I am. Bless this cup. It's Jesus. It's his blood. And it's in me now. I receive it. Come on, let's receive it. Come on, just lift your hands like a butterfly. Come on. You might not be flying yet, but at least for one more moment, you can lift your hands. You will be flying soon. Father, in Jesus' name, let every day be a mirror day. Let your word teach us who we are. And as we do the word, let it confirm who we are. Let your people grow from glory to glory, from faith to faith, and from victory to victory. Let the process of change and of transformation be activated in our life right now. Let this be the week of change. Let this be the week that they raise the standard. Let this be the week that they put down their pride and their failure and their fear. And they step into who you say they are in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, come on, can you give God a great shout, everybody? Have a great week. God bless you.